Good morning. I had a hard time sleeping last night. I, I dreamt that I was standing before you in a white robe <laughs> giving announcements because my family doctor had lost his. So, uh, seriously, uh, thank you. It is a privilege to be before you. Last time I spoke with you, we were in the Cooper house and how God has worked. It's amazing. Uh, your family. And so some of you don't know who I am. I'm Ralph Kill. Um, I'm one of your missionaries. I don't know if you knew that or not. Uh, you've graciously allowed us to be FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, to be one of your missionaries here in Northeast Alabama. And we're very thankful. And we consider it very seriously uh, your investment in us, uh, that we will work the hardest we can, humanly speaking, and we'll leave it up to God to do the changing. Uh, a little bit, of just a few moments about Fellowship of Christian Athletes, what you've invested in. Some of you are going, what is the Fellowship of Christian Athletes? Started 60 years ago by a coach. He had this dream he could impact the world for Christ through athletics, through athletes and coaches. That was 60 years ago. That was one man. Today, 60 years later, there's 1,300 staff all over the world. All over the world. But the purpose is still the same. It's to impact the world for Christ through the vehicle of sports. And I think God uses sports and music to change hearts. It's just, those are great vehicles. Northeast Alabama, we have seven staff here. I'm one of the staff. We cover five counties, basically 140,000 students. And we go all the way down to Aniana, that's just north of Birmingham. We go up the state line to Hazel Green. We go west to James Clemens, and we go east to Scottsboro. Um, there's about 450 to 500 coaches that we have a chance to, to minister to as well. Uh, I'll work with the coaches. The rest of the staff work with the kids. Uh, you're saying, well, so how do you get in? Well, we're legally able to get into all the schools because it's student-led, we meet before school, and we have permission. But honestly, it's all about relationships. We're welcomed in every school in this area. I was watching a soccer match recently between Whitesburg Christian Academy and St. Bernard, which is a Catholic school in Coleman County. That's the only school that we're not in. So my area director texted me and said, will you try to see someone to introduce yourself to them, and maybe they will give us permission to come to St. Bernard. And so I'm on the sidelines. I'm thinking, what? Now, how in the world would I identify an administrator or a principal or headmaster at that school? And I thought, hmm, it's a Catholic school. <laughs> I'm looking for a person that wears a, a, a collar. And I look on the sideline, and sure enough, there's the priest on the sideline. And he's wearing an Alabama baseball cap. It's a great, I wish I'd take a picture of it. I went to Bama, so introduced myself to him. And so we're hoping and praying we're able to get into that school. We, uh, the key word is huddles. Uh, when we go into the school, the kids get together before school in a huddle. We have sports camps. We're, we're, we're even down to the elementary schools. By design, FCA is for high school and colleges. But here in Northeast Alabama, God has been so gracious. We're in elementary, middle school, high school, and college. You'll hear more about this. 
I've talked to the pastor about this, that this summer we have four sports camps. One's in Aberville, one's in Coleman, but two are here, Madison and Hampton Cove. Last year we had 1,000 children come to it, ages 7 through 13. We have a college coach come in for two hours of clinic, but the rest of the day they're with us, hearing about Jesus. We want it to be a legitimate Christian sports camp. So when your son comes home, or daughter comes home, Daddy, this is what I learned about soccer, but this is also what I learned about Jesus. And that's why we're in the elementary schools. Now, like I said, I work with coaches, so what do you do with coaches? Well, to be honest with you, I try to get them into a coach's huddle before school where I can expose the Word of God to them. They might know a lot about baseball, but they don't know a whole lot about the Bible. And so I'm thinking, if I can influence the coaches, they can in turn influence the kids. In fact, FCA says this, you win the, win the coach, you win the campus. Now, we have a lot of different things, like we have coaches' breakfast, where we invite all the coaches for the first step. They might not want to step to the huddle because it's too threatening, but they'll come for a free breakfast. And we have what we call a marriage conference downtown Huntsville. We rent out or we, we reserve 50 rooms for coaches and their spouses for marriage enrichment. But all that is to say, we want to share Christ with coaches and with children. And you have allowed us to do that. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. The passage for the day, uh, if you would go to your Bibles, Romans chapter 10. I've noticed there's some uh, good Bibles in your pews. Uh, NIV, uh, they're, good. They're, they're good Bibles. Uh, Romans chapter 10. Verses 13 through 17. Let me, let me tell you where I'm headed. Here's the destination. We'll probably run out of time, but here's the destination. It's the two life eternal questions which I use all the time. Now, I'm going to have a lot of stories or several stories I'll tell you this morning, but also questions. You know, Christ, on his time on earth, told stories and asked questions. And I figure if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. And that's what we're doing. Here's, but here's the destination I'm going to get to, try to get to today. The two questions I ask uh, a lot of times. If you died tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If you died tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? The second question. If you died tonight and you, got, and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? I failed to mention this. One of the things we do with the uh, local FCA is what we call the intern program. It's discipleship is what it is. Really sharp sophomores, juniors, and seniors, uh, they will uh, commit the month, four weeks, five weeks of the summer. They go through eight days of boot, spiritual boot camp, and I'll teach them how to share their faith so that a nine-year-old child can understand it. How does it study the Bible? How to grow in their faith. If, if I had a son or daughter, sophomore, junior, junior senior, uh, I would probably do the best I could to get them to intern for that summer, those five weeks. So we train them. They run two camps. They're in charge of that little huddle, same gender, same age for that week, and then another week in another camp, and then the third, third week would take them to St. Simon's for leadership training. Uh, 
but we train these interns to ask those two questions I just asked you. I never ask anyone, are you a Christian? Luke, Dr. Powell, are you a Christian? I never ask that. Because the problem is, you might answer it according to your definition versus the biblical definition. And that's why I ask those two questions. So let's go to Romans chapter 10. Now I know some of you, uh, I know Wilson a few weeks ago, I really like this. Uh, he said, let me encourage you, bring your Bibles. And uh, I know with technology, we've got iPhones with application and this and that. But, you know, we all come to the table with, with past. I became a Christian my last year in college. Went to a great Bible church in Huntsville. And, uh, but I didn't grow up in the church. I was biblically illiterate. I didn't know anything. And then one Sunday, the pastor said, if you have your Bibles, and Alice had given me a Bible, turn to something in the New Testament. And I was so embarrassed, I didn't know where it was. And I was too proud or maybe too ignorant to know every Bible has a table of contents. So I pretended I had the book in front of me. And you know how people, when you're turning your Bible to the pages, I mean to the text, it starts getting quieter and quieter, which means you're finding it. Well, it had been long past then. So when I left, I said, Lord, if I'm going to follow you, will you allow me to know your word? Somebody, someone introduced me to a tape ministry, cassette tape. Remember the cassette tape? If you're under 50, cassette tape. And, uh, and so I began to do it verse by verse. Bottom line is this. Would you consider bringing your Bible to church so that... You can see the whole thing, maybe even your notes. Maybe God will take you to another section in the Bible you can flip over. But also our children will begin to see mom, dad, granddad, grandmom. Look at the Bible. Just a thought. Just a thought. Romans 10, 13 through 17. Here's God's word. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. However, They did not all heed the glad tidings. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. You pray with me. Father, thank you for this text this morning. Without your Holy Spirit, it's just words. Father, will you take the words of this man's mouth and the meditations of our hearts as we congregate today? will be pleasing to you. May we leave these church doors different than when we came in. To you we give the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Again, my destination is the two eternal questions. Uh, And I'm going to try to get there. Uh, First verse. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And, and interesting, that was the Old Testament reading today that John read. And boy, that was lucky, wasn't it? And uh, 
Joel 2.32. And Joel says in the future, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. No matter if you're Jew or Greek or Gentile. No matter if you're black or white, male or female, slave or free. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no distinction. It's an open invitation. I meet a lot over meals. Coaches love to meet over meals. And, and some of my best conversations with pastors is over, the meal, over meals. I had a, a, a meeting with a pastor uh, last week. It's in New Hope. He has a great heart. He said this. He said, I don't want to advance my church. I want to advance the kingdom. What can I do to serve New Hope High School? Now, I've been working with FCA for six years. And again, I visit three schools a day. Now, you might think, well, so they've got classes. What do you do during the day? Well, believe it or not, if I go before school, at 7, 6.30, they're there. They have planning periods. They've got gym. And a lot of times, they just come out in the hallway. It's amazing what we can do. Well, this pastor said, we want to serve. And I said, oh, that'd be great. He said, how can I serve? I said, well, the football coach at New Hope is a Christian. And they're always looking for people to help maintain the field, pick up trash. And if you're interested, you can serve that way. He said, that's great. That's what I want to do. So we talked some more. And I kept seeing how he was kind of fishing around. I told him I was a pastor. I used to be a pastor in one of the churches. Yeah, so I must have. Presbyterian Church in America. I've got to clarify that. PCA. And he kept listening. He said, now, I, I just met you. I don't want to go overboard, but are you a Calvinist? <laughs> and uh, now some of you might be brand new to the Presbyterian, what Armenian is versus a Calvinist, reformed, not reformed, etc., etc., elect providence and sovereign of God and free will of man. And I, but I, again, I never know what a person is asking when he says that or she says that because they might be thinking, oh, you Calvinists, you don't care about the lost. You're the ones that think that just you take, God takes just the elect that's fatalistic. And, and John Calvin was melancholy and he, nah, nah, nah. I said, uh, Pastor, I said, I, I am. Uh, but what do you mean? And he said, he was a church God. He said, I've been studying the scriptures and I've become reformed. I went, that's good, but I'm not a recovering Armenian or recovering Calvinist. And as most of you know, I used to teach the new members class at Southwood and also officer training. That was, I did, it was tremendous. So in the morning, I had a chance to talk about this to people brand new to the church. And then that evening, I had a chance to go really deep with officers and training about this. But I always say this. I don't make that my agenda. It's that people love Jesus as much as I do. We disagree on this. Here's the way I look at it. And I know all the discussion. You know, you're free to accept Christ, but you don't have the desire to accept Christ unless God regenerates your heart and mind. He doesn't force you against the will, you know, 
bondage of the will, freedom of the will. I, I know all that, but here's my simple theology. When I meet a coach or a kid, I assume that they, they are the elect. I share Christ with them as if that they're the elect. Then I trust God to change their hearts and minds and will. I tell people, being a Calvinist helps me to be a better evangelist because my job is to present the gospel, the message of hope, as clearly as possible. My job is not trying to convert them or get them to say, a spiritual uncle, I'll give up, I'll give my life to Christ. No, I want to present it without pushing them into a corner. Now, as a Calvinist, if you believe in an election and God's going to bring those who are His, why should we share our faith? Well, that's, that's simple too. Because God tells us to. <laughs> if it's good enough for God, it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Paul goes through five rhetorical questions. That being said, the point is, is how to receive the gospel. Paul says this. How can they be called unless they believe? And how can they believe unless they hear? And how can they hear unless there's a preacher? And how can they hear a preacher unless they're sent? So you're thinking, ah, preacher, that's it. You know, Wilson Shirley, Ralph Kill, Bob Berner with YBL, Young Life, FCA, we'll send them to preach. Well, I started looking into that. Uh, you got your Bibles, go to the book of Acts, chapter 8. This is a great story. And you know what I love about the stories in the Bible? <laughs> They're true. They're all true. Look at chapter 8 of the book of Acts. I'm just going to highlight some of this. In fact, hmm, it's 10 after 9. I need to be through at 20 after 9. 25. Okay. Hmm. You, know, you might have to invite me back next spring break. I don't... I, I don't. <laughs> But that's up to the session. You might not want to. But Acts chapter 8, here's the story. It's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Here's the story. Philip is one of the seven first deacons. We use that passage. There's a conflict in Jerusalem. The widowers, widows were not being fed. And there was, uh, there, there was concern. There was partiality toward the Jewish Christians versus the non-Jewish Christians. So they appointed, selected seven godly men filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, one was Stephen, who gave his life for Christ. But there's another deacon named Philip. So God impresses on Philip's, Philip's heart is that he needs to go down on the road between Jerusalem and Gaza. It's a desert road. So he responds to that impression or command from God and he goes down and this is where we pick up chapter 8 verse uh, 28 no 27 
So he got up, he arose, he went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and was reading the book or the prophet Hosea, uh, Isaiah. Now, I don't know if you knew the law back then. You cannot be riding the chariot reading the scriptures. Just like you can't be riding your car and texting. That's another story. So here it is. Philip goes down and he sees an Ethiopian eunuch, which means it's a black man been, who has been emasculated, neutered. And he's returning back from Jerusalem. Now, if you really study it, he's not allowed to worship. Not because he's black, but because he's emasculated. He's not a man. So he's headed back home. And that breaks my heart right there, if you think about it. They, he cannot go worship because of what's happened to him. But somehow he got, somehow he got Isaiah, the writings of Isaiah. Now, don't, don't, don't forget, there's no Bibles floating around out there. I'm not sure how in the world, evidently pretty wealthy, if he was head of treasury for the queen of Ethiopia. So he's on the side of the road reading, trying to read in Hebrew, Isaiah, a passage and so Philip comes and says, uh, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, no, I can't understand it unless someone explains it to me. Philip says, I, I can't. So Philip spends time reading through this passage to this eunuch. Now look at verse 35. Here's the point I'm making. Verse 35, And Philip opened his mouth and began, and, and beginning from the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. The word is preached. So preach is, is synonymous to proclaiming. So it's not when it says, you know, send preachers. You're not sending Bob or Wilson or me or other pastors. We're, we're doing it together. Does that make sense? We're doing it together. We're there to proclaim the word of God. Let's go back to Romans chapter 10. Verse 15. And how, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, this book of Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. There are other tra translations that's even, even more powerful than that one. We're bringing, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the greatest message of hope. Now, I know it's March Madness, and I know a lot of you folks are watching basketball, and you get a good idea. You can spend a couple, $300 on basketball shoes. Mom. Mom. Or, and he's not talking about the feet, he's talking about the messenger. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the greatest news ever. It's the message, the messenger, and you identify them by their feet. It's not talking about $200 pair of shoes. 
He's not talking about an expensive pedicure. I don't know how much pedicures are today. Uh, Shep Park. <laughs> Last time you went was. So we're not talking about expensive pedicure. We're not smart shoes. We're talking about the matches of Christ. How beautiful are those feet that bring the greatest news? And I pick on him. I admire him so much. I remember the story. He used to share his faith all the time. And one guy responded in a negative way, and Shep said, he said, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just here to share. How beautiful are the feet of you who bring the greatest message. They say less than 8% of those respond to the gospel because of a preacher. It's because of you. That's where God has put you. You're the preacher. You proclaim the gospel. If you go back in that, in that section I'm, I'm in, the question is, uh, in Isaiah again, not many people heeded the message. So how beautiful the feet, but there are people that won't respond. Here's the quick story. <clears throat> uh, what I love to do is take coaches out to eat. And I ask them about their faith, and I try to lead them to that second, those two questions. If you die tonight, do you know for sure? And what would you say? So I was doing a Bible study at UAH, and I was walking out, and I saw a, a brand new coach, and I introduced myself to him. He was a new soccer coach from England. And he'd been at Delta State coaching before he came to UAH. I introduced myself to him. I said, Coach, I'm Coach Ralph Kill. They call me Coach, by the way. He just opened doors easier. Uh, 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 have you ever heard of FCA? He said in that British accent, yes, I have. And, and uh, he said, uh, some of my players were involved at Delta State. And if it works for them, good for them. Well, wow. I didn't say that. In my heart, I said, wow. And I said, uh, uh, Coach, I'd love to take you out for breakfast. Blue plate. I'd love to. So I took him to blue plate. And I was kind of fishing around. The way I was trained in evangelism, you used the S-C-O-P-E, like the uh, mouthwash scope. S stands for secular. Kind of, how you doing? Where'd you come from? C is your church experience. O, our church experience. P, my personal story, which I hopefully share in three to four minutes. And then E, the eternal questions. Remember the two eternal questions? So I'm trying to get them there. So uh, I said, Coach, I said, you... You grew up in England. I know that less than 10% of England and Europe go to church anymore. Could you share your experience? He said, uh, well, we as a family went to church on Christmas Eve, and after that we went to the pub, and that was it. I said, wow. Well, I didn't say that. My heart, I said, wow. And so, and I, and so uh, I, said, I said, Coach, uh, have many people trying to convert you since you've been in the States, especially the South? And he smiled and went, yeah. I said, well, Coach, I'm not going to try to convert you but I want to serve you and your team. I said, do you have a Bible? He went, hmm, no. And then he said this. He leaned over the table and he said, you don't really believe in snakes that talk, do you? <laughs> Adam and Eve, the serpent. And I, said, and I said, coach, I said, I'm a man of faith. And I don't think the snake had vocal cords or lips. But Adam and Eve heard what they needed to hear through that, that situation. 
And coach, be honest with you, I don't have the faith to be an atheist. I just don't have that kind of faith. To know 100% for sure there's no God, that threw a curveball right there. The only reason I've learned to say that is because I've been doing this for a while. And I'm saying we can all do it the same way, it just takes a little practice. He said, well, I don't believe anything that's supernatural. I don't believe the water and the wine, walking on the water. And I said, I understand that, coach. I said, uh, I coached X number of years. And I said, today, and I work with coaches every day. Coaches seem to say this. Kids, their players have a sense of entitlement. They really don't work hard, discipline like they used to. He, went, he lit up. And I said, wow. In my heart. And, and, and I said, let me ask you that. When I coached at Grissom, we took the entire baseball team to Lincoln Village, explained Lincoln Village to them, which is an inner city work that we have. And he loved it. Well, guess what? Last Thursday, he brought the entire team from all over the world and his other two coaches from Britain. And guess who spoke and gave their testimony? Mark Stearns. He got up afterwards, the coach, and said, gentlemen, this is, this is good. We want to help people out in this situation. We will be over here at least two to three times this season to help on Saturday. But I want to ask you other players, would you go between classes and breaks and begin to mentor these young men and young women? The coach was not interested in Christ, but we want to show him the work of Christ. In the process, he will see Christ. See how it works? So I got to end with this. This is 922. I've got three minutes. <laughs> and uh, Johnny, you kind. What I try to do is get the two, two eternal questions. So if you could just, if, if you take notes, uh, this is what I ask kids to do, interns, to memorize verbatim, verbatim. Because we get nervous and we start adding too, much, too many words. Uh, Shep, if you died tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? So I don't need to, I don't need to say car accident on Parkway, just keep it very clean. If you die tonight, do you know for sure you go to heaven? Allow him to respond. Yes, no, I'd like to think so. I'm not sure. Could I show you in, could I show you in God's word? And now 1 John 5, 11 through 13. That's the verse I use, text I use. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. It basically says this. He who has the Son, Jesus, has eternal life. He who does not have the Son, Jesus, does not have eternal life. These things I have written to you so that you may know you have eternal life. Coach, what do you, what do you think that says? He or she would say, well, we need Jesus. Coach, this is the most important question I can ask any man. May I ask you? Not really. Well, how about those braids? I if I get a green light, or even a yellow light, I'll ask that question. Coach, if you, <coughs> Chef, if you died tonight and God asked you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? That's why I discern where they are spiritually. What I'm running into is works. I try to be a good person. I believe in God. I try to do the right thing. I've been baptized. In fact, that coach from England... 
I met two more of his coaches last week, and he had already prompted them for my question. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was saying, tell Coach Keel where you were baptized, Church of England. And I'm like, good. Works. Works. I will take him to Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of works, lest no man shall boast. Basically, it's a free gift from God. And then one more. Romans 6, 23. Most of you have been trained on this one. If you've been in Young Life and Navigators, it's the, it's the Roman bridge. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift from God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Right, Hudson? He's got that memorized. He used it all the time in his huddle at sports camp. And I, I try to visualize this, uh, and I'm going to just be really fast on this one. Here's, here's how we teach it. God's initial plan is to have a relationship with his creation. That was God's plan. It's for us to love him, to worship him, glorify him, enjoy him forever. But there's a big problem that caused a gap, just like that gap right there. It's called sin. It's high mutiny. It's treason. We turn our back on God, and the law says we shall not be reconnected to him. We're not part of that relationship. So we're separated. We will die, and we will be judged. How do you get back from that side to that side? How can you jump the gap? You can't be good enough, and no matter how many times you've been baptized, it's got to be Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. God's plan, man's problem, here's God's solution. It's that cross right there. And that's what we actually draw that. I actually draw that on a napkin to give to a coach. I said, Coach, Christ Jesus on that cross, he was our Savior and Lord. He was the only one that could pay the price to get us back home. That makes sense to you, coach? Yes, sir, it does. Here's the How do you get then? And I said, coach, it's the simplest A, B, C. A, you admit, confess, you admit, you turn your back, and you admit, I've tried to be my own king of my own kingdom. B, B, believe, I believe what Christ did and what you said. And C, I commit my life to him, to you, God. A, B, C. Coach, is that where your heart is? Yes, sir, it is. God, bow and pray with you right now. And that happens. So that's the plan of salvation right there. If you die tonight, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And what would you say if God asked you? Then I'd lead them to that Roman bridge. We're out of time. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the greatest news ever. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's the question. If you can't answer that second question, if you can't articulate what would you say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Now, maybe you, you believe that. Maybe you just never articulated. But if you cannot say to God, I'm here because of the grace of God, I've committed my life to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. If you're not there, you're not part of the family. We're religious but we've never made that commitment. You're not one of God's children. And here's the invitation I give. Again, I'm, I'm ordained PCA. I'm going to give you an invitation. A Presbyterian invitation. If you have not given your life to Christ as Lord and Savior, 
If you cannot answer that question, why should us in heaven? This is the day to do it. That's a good day, Sunday. Bow with me, boy. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your text. Thank you for your, your many, many words you've given us. Thank you for the greatest message ever. And Father, those who sit in front of me, if a child or a 90-year-old have not given their life to Christ, this would be the day that you have made. May they give their life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you.